Welcome to the Funny Style Podcast. I'm your host, Christopher Robinson, and for this episode, we have Brian Milligan, got Rudy Malumbo, Ash Cash, and all, oh, sorry. Oh, well, and our special guest. I, I never win them, I do it every time. <laughs> our special guest is a comic that I love working with. I've worked with him a bunch of times over the last couple of years. He's a hilarious headliner. He's a mostly clean comic, so it's we're gonna ask him a bunch of questions because he does a lot of shows that a lot of comics would want to do, but they actually don't have that skill set. So welcome, Mr. Paul Jensen. Good to be here. (laughs) Yeah, I'm going to disappoint you. (laughs) So right off the bat, how long have you been doing stand-up? I know at least a decade professionally. Um, Mm -hmm. I'm not one of those guys that keeps tabs. I think Mm -hmm. if I go back, I can figure it out probably, but you know... I don't know how many shows I've done exactly when I started, but I know I started getting paid about 10 years ago. So okay. I go from there. Yeah. yeah. Very cool. So what made you decide to go? Because what I like about what you do is you look like one of the Sons of Anarchy, <laughs> but then you're super clean and friendly and nice on stage. Mm-hmm. When did you decide to... Because that dichotomy is like... Right. The, part of what makes it special, the well, show. Just my personality is a nice... I've always been scary-looking to some people, which... And I'm not. I'm a nice, laid-back, kind of quiet guy. I'm very introverted. But I've had people over the years that have been terrified of me. And my my father was an extremely dangerous individual. And as I got older, I looked like him. So people were terrified of me because they didn't know if I was my dad or not. And I just grew <laughs> up with people that were just scared of me. Mm-hmm. And so I have a personality where I'm just a nice guy that I, at least I think I am. Mm-hmm. And uh, I don't ever like to hurt people's feelings and try to stay out of it. Unless it gets to a point and then I'm like, all right, it's on. But uh, <laughs> So when it came to comedy, I didn't want to be a mean guy. And I knew the way I look might be a little scary to certain people. And that's so I thought if I can come out and just be friendly and that, it might help. So, yeah. And right off the bat, I learned that it did. Mm-hmm. And you're you're from like your family immigrated here, right? Yes. Okay. Where where did they come from? A little bit. Of, my dad's family's from Denmark originally, okay. and uh, my mom grew up French. They met in Canada, and then moved to Mexico. And so my brothers lived in Mexico for a little bit, and then back to Canada, and then back and forth. And then they just ended up on a whim, staying in the middle of the U.S. And that's where I was born. So I'm the only U.S. citizen of anybody, <laughs> oh, well. and the only one left now. <laughs> oh, so, right. yeah. Uh-huh. That's crazy. Yeah. So do you ever feel like you had to play up? Because, you know, if you're kind of an imposing figure, you feel like you kind of have to play up uh, being more kind of charming, kind of just more likable. Did you ever put any, like, extra effort in that? Or were you just kind of being... Not really. I'm just myself. Yeah. Uh, if anything, I play up the uh, mean guy persona. Some Depending on the show, uh, I'll sometimes go out and start like I'm going to be a mean jerk or something just for a couple minutes so that I can quickly pull a 180 and be like, nope, that's not what it is. Don't worry. Like, yeah. that's, you know. Uh, but no, I just go up. My whole goal is just go up there, have fun. It's about the audience. So I want to go up there, have fun. If they're having fun, then I'm having fun. Yeah. Uh, if they're not having fun, it's their fault. Uh, so, <laughs> that's, I don't know. What, uh, what city do you call home base? Currently, Palm Coast, Florida, for three more weeks, and oh. then it will be just south of Atlanta. Oh, wow. So you're going up to Georgia, huh? Yeah, we're in the process of moving right now, actually. Nice. So. so was that a that move, was that a comedy move? No. Or is it, okay, just no. other stuff going on? Just, yeah, just personal. Wanted to do a move. You know, I mm-hmm. think you were aware of some of the stuff that's happened to me in yeah. the last couple of years, mm-hmm. and we're just ready. You know, I'm about to turn 50, and, you know, I've got a business, and we're at a point where we can kind of semi-retire. Mm-hmm. And we just wanted something new, and the fact is, right now in Florida, the house we need 
doesn't exist in the budget that mm-hmm. we have, and we got a house that, you know, it's twice, three times the house than we'd find here in Florida, yeah. and I couldn't pass it up. It's 20 yeah. minutes south of Atlanta, so I'm, I'm going to be close to all sorts yeah. of connections there that I hope to make, not too far out of mm-hmm. Tennessee, so should yeah. be good. So, so you, you say you're, you're about to turn 50? Yes. So you didn't even start doing comedy until you were in your mid thirties. Late thirties, late thirties. Yeah. That's crazy. Yeah. I can actually tell you what inspired me years ago. Where I grew up, we weren't that far from Branson, Missouri. I don't know if you've heard. Mm-hmm. That's basically oh, yeah, like uh, Christian Las Vegas. Right. Yeah, okay. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You know, it's all the family friendly shows yeah. and that. But I went there all the time. There's a theme park I used to love, whatever. Yeah. But I'd go and I'd see guys like Jim Stafford or Ray Stevens, the musical country oh, yeah. comedians. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And then uh, Yakov Smirnoff was there. Yeah. He's got and a theater there, right? He used to. Oh, and really? this is before he actually had his theater. He was performing in, uh, I think they call it the Grand or something. It was like the big theater that other acts would come in. Uh-huh. So he was there and I went to his show. It was the first stand-up show I'd ever seen. And afterwards, I got to meet him. And there was these people meeting him for pictures and that. And he, he, you could tell he's putting on the fake smile, like, thanks for coming. <laughs> uh-huh. Well, I went up, and when they went to take our picture, I leaned in and told him a joke. Uh, just kind of like, uh, I, I can't even remember what it was, but something about his act where I, you know, threw it back at him. Yeah. And he was so shocked, and he made this huge scene laughing and just, you know, had to stand up and tell everybody what I said. And they're all looking like, what's going on? And as I walked out, I'm like, you know what? I could do that. (laughs) So so I always had that itch from that point on. Then I saw Jim Gaffigan when he first got popular. Yeah. and then again, nothing against him, but as I'm watching him, I'm like, I could do that. He's literally up there just doing like a one man stage show. Yeah. Because, mm-hmm. you know, he was at a theater. He was There was no audience interaction. Yeah. He's literally just reciting lines. So then I went to a comedy club, totally different experience. Because yeah. mm-hmm. then, you know, you have that live audience that's there, and some of them are heckling and yeah. they're drinking and everything. I'm like, ooh, what did I just decide <laughs> I'm going to try, you know? Yeah. But uh, that was how I, you know, it was Yakov and Jim Gaffigan that kind of that inspired me, really. So how w- how was your experience with being, like, I'm 37, okay? Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, I started five months ago. I'm, for the most part, the <laughs> oldest open micer <laughs> around here, you know what I mean? Mm-hmm. So how was that, your experience with that? Like, you... Because I mean, nobody well, just jumps straight into being like a feature or headliner. So right. You gotta you gotta pay your dues in the beginning. Well, I will say that I skipped the line pretty darn quick, which made some enemies. Yeah. Uh, because when I first started, I did not know open mics were a thing. Oh. I just looked up like, how do I get in comedy? Found a comedy club that had amateur night. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So I called up, and uh, they're like, "Yeah, we'll sign you. You can come up next Friday or whatever." Mm-hmm. So I show up. Well, it's a contest. Mm. I'm like, crap. All right, well, it's all newbies. I guess, you know, we'll try. You had to do eight minutes, which, you know, for your first time, you don't hear that now. It's been an hour. (laughs) Maybe 10 minutes, actually. And uh, so beforehand, I'm noticing all the other contestants all know each other, right? Uh And they're all talking and buddies and that, and I'm the odd one out. And, like, you know, it's weird that we're all newbies, yet they all know each other. Well, then they finally start talking to me, like, who are you and that? And... You know, like, oh, it's my first time. Like, oh, okay, whatever. Well, I've been doing comedy for uh, two years. I've been doing it for six years. I'm like, well, crap. You know, there goes my chances of winning. Yeah. I didn't know what they meant was I've been doing open mics for two years, right. six years, whatever. <laughs> so I, I think there were six of us in the contest. I was number four or five. Uh-huh. The couple guys that went up before me, and I'm definitely not mentioning names, um, were so bad and offensive and gross that people kept walking out. Right? Oh. And the owner of the club was freaking out and wanting the people like, no, no, sit. Yeah. Then I went up. 
I'd like to say I was awesome, but I think it was just the fact that I wasn't gross and disgusting. I had more family-friendly type humor, and I liked it to where when I finished, huge applause, and they were going, more, more, more. (laughs) And I ended up winning. First time they've ever had a first-timer win the contest, right? That's awesome. And uh, that was it. I was hooked from that point on, and within six months, I got my first paid feature set. Oh, wow. Wow. So between that, were you doing, what kind of shows were you doing? Did you I, I started, that was the night that the guy, couple of the guys that saw me win were nice enough to be, you know, a couple of them never want to talk to me again, but a couple of them were polite and like, hey, you know, you might have something. Yeah. Here's where we meet up. So I started going to some of the mics. Mm-hmm. And uh, uh, that was in Jacksonville, Florida, that area, okay. and uh, getting to know some of the guys there. And a few of the guys were nice. It just wasn't my thing. Like, yeah. I, I, I learned real quick what to use an open mic for and what they weren't good for yeah. and to move on. So. so right there, I think, is a valuable set of information. So before the <clears throat> mic came on and everything, we were talking about how you were saying that, and I definitely agree, that there's a certain level to where you have to kind of separate from the open mic scene. Mm-hmm. And what do you, where, like, where do you think that level is? I mean, I can't answer for everybody. I know for me, it's once I was getting enough paid gigs at actual clubs, not enough to where I could survive on it if that was my income, but enough to where I was getting fairly regular stage time with paying audiences at clubs, even if it was just a guest spot from time to time. Just yeah. something to where that's where I would go. I would use my material that I know worked and then always throw in one or two new things, see how they'd work, and, and if they kind of worked, okay, can I make it better? If it didn't work, I'll try it one more time and see. If not, get rid of it. Mm-hmm. Um, but always have enough stuff to fall back on and use that as my testing ground because what I learned Open mics, I'd say more than nine out of ten times, are not a good conduit for what will work with a paying audience at a club. Open mics are generally a bunch of degenerate guys like (laughs) us, guys and gals, sorry, that sit around (laughs) and want to talk crap and go up and make each other laugh by saying the most horrible, shocking things. Uh, whereas if you go up and do actual club material, it usually bombs at an open mic. So I went to open mics at first kind of learning this as I went. And there was one open mic in particular I went to that hardly any other of the guys would go to because they hated it. It was in the middle of nowhere, some bar with a pool table right in front. They'd leave the TVs on. Nobody could care you were there. I purposely went to it because I'm like, if I'm going to do these awful open mic things, I want to learn to do the absolute worst type of situation. Because if I can do my jokes when nobody cares or even worse, they hate that I'm there in front of their TV or... You know, sometimes the guys would come play pool just to be jerks, you know. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> but I'm like, if I can get through my five, six minutes in that kind of atmosphere, it should make me a better comic. Yeah. And it was me and one other guy that did this one mic uh, every week. Everybody else would show up once, never come back. Mm-hmm. And then it finally ended. But um, that's what I learned is open mics are great to learn how to bomb. Yeah, That's what they're for. They're, they're how to learn the worst of it. Mm-hmm. So if you can handle the worst of it, then you can move on once you're in front of a real audience. As long as you got some decent material, you're going to excel. Mm-hmm, but yeah. if you keep going back to that, what I consider a cesspool, now I'm sure there's good open mics. Don't mm-hmm. get me wrong. I'm sure there's some that are out there that are kind of like a club show. I've heard of them that I hardly saw them. Mm-hmm. So I got out of that scene within the first year. Yeah. And uh, just kept doing the, the club shows and just moved on from there. It basically sounds like open mics are like community colleges where it's like you can... You have a span of time you can be in there and kind of graduate, mm-hmm. or you can be stuck there forever. Like if you, 
And then what ends up happening like is Van Wilder. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. Right. Just like seven years. And yeah, exactly. And then like, uh, and and I mean, the, yeah, you're right. I mean, the temptation to play to the uh, to the crowd or not the crowd, the the other comics, mm-hmm. and kind of just do shocking, disgusting yeah. stuff is always there because. I mean, yeah, it's just, the, you know, the, the rooms are so... And, and not to be rude, but I think a lot of times, too, the guys that get stuck there so long, they're not good enough, not not trying hard enough to be good enough to get actual bookings. Yeah. So to them, oh, I got a show tonight, I'm on stage, I got, you know, this and that. And it's all open mics. You yeah. know, it's the guys that you yeah. see, here's my schedule. Don't it's list your open mics over yeah. and over. You know, invite yep. people to the odd one or that, but that's not, yeah. you know... And they make the... I, <laughs> I'm such a dick because I know everybody that does this. But, like, they make <laughs> posters. Mm. And the poster will be just a list of open, of open mics. mics. And yeah. I'm just like... I mean, unless right. you're hosting it. Yeah. Yeah, unless, you, you know, you're putting on their... You know, and I have nothing against guys that start rooms for open mics. There has to be open mics. They yeah. do serve a purpose. Yeah. But, yeah, the whole point is, as a comic, you want to grow. Mm-hmm. Most of us, they, we want to get paid at least something. We want to perform in front of varied audiences at larger venues fancier venues that's the goal mm-hmm. you know there's many different paths you can reach that goal but uh we want to move on from there but if you just stay doing open mics you know and i know there's some popular comics that'll say like you got to always go back you got to practice your work if you're on stage enough you're still practicing yeah, yeah. I, I can tell that in the last few years every year i've improved just as a comic my materials improve my stage presence because i get enough stage time yeah uh, you know, other people tell me, like, man, last time you here was good, but this was, you know, and that's my whole thing. Yeah. I just constantly want to improve myself. I can do that at real shows. Mm-hmm. I don't need an open mic to do that. And then the other thing is, like, the, the inter-comedian politics yeah. of it. I was talking, <laughs> Ash is laughing at me, but it, it's true. Like, there's a, because, again, a lot of, from my experience, where I get booked more than anything is from other comedians yeah. mm-hmm. you know so then there's that inner comedian relationship thing yeah. and I, I remember I was asking and we're having him on the podcast um, next week uh, Jacoby uh, Burton who's from this area and I remember at one point I came up to him and I was like hey how do I how do I get out of it's almost like it's almost like like <laughs> space travel <laughs> where like <laughs> You have to get out of the gravitational yeah. pull of being an open micer yeah. right. to then really get some progress, yeah. you know? And I was like, how do I get out of being viewed as an open micer? Because while you're still viewed as one of the open micers, people aren't going to call you to yeah. go on the road with them right. to do this and that. You're one of the you're one of those. And I think that's what yeah. helped me is because I got out of that so fast. Yeah. You know, I was a little older than most of the other uh, people doing on that, and I've had some business sense. Uh, so I think I had a leg up on that. I was a public speaker before, yeah. uh, so I never had a, I, I've never had stage fright. Mm-hmm. So I had a few things helping me. And no, I wasn't one of the young, cool guys like the others. Like you know, like you, know, I'm you know was in my mid thirties, late thirties, or that. So I was a little bit you know, you know, always an older guy trying to do comedy, or whatever. <laughs> yeah. But then they'd see that I was actually doing well mm-hmm. some of them would be supportive yeah. a lot of them were not yeah. you know and you have, you have to get used to that <laughs> yeah. there's a lot of egos yeah. and a lot of idiots and jerks out there it's part of the reason i don't congregate much with other comics because yeah. there's a few that i like but there's a lot that i'm like you know i'll work with you and that's it you know yeah. afterwards yeah. we're gone yeah yeah so that crabs in the bucket mentality yeah, yeah. Kinda, and that, that kind of also works with the gravitational pull thing where yeah the, there's a lot of different factors, and that's one. I, I just don't get it though, because comedy is not feast or famine. Like, exactly. It's, there's yeah, it's there's plenty of, right. of so stages yeah, out yeah. there. I mean, yeah. but there are guys out there that'll stab you in the back to yeah. get that fifty dollar gig. But here's yeah. the thing. Here's the thing that you got to understand too. But 
a lot of people are because everybody deep down knows yeah. like who they are and where they belong. Mm-hmm. There's a lot of guys that aren't good enough to get outside of the fifty dollar gigs. Mm-hmm. So mm-hmm. for them, they have to protect those tiny yeah. little opportunities, like fucking. Schmeagol <laughs> from Lord of the Rings, like I, this is my mic and nobody can, yeah, yeah, you yeah. know, close this little bar gig and whatever, because yeah, otherwise, yeah. I'll die. Because who am I if I'm not headlining this bar, <laughs> fifty dollars yeah. and some wings, right? That's right. So those people, what what you what you'll find is normally the people running shows that are like again in the same area like forever. Mm-hmm. There's there's some exceptions, but for the most part, it's people who aren't good enough to leave and go do mm-hmm. like they don't get booked anywhere else. Yeah. A lot of times, the guys that are creating shows mm-hmm. are creating shows because that's the only way they get on shows yeah, at all. Shows, yeah, you know, mm-hmm. so that's where you'll find those it's people are bridge, so yeah, <laughs> <laughs> so protective. Yeah. Well, just like those local they, comics you were talking about beforehand, which I'm going to yeah. name now. Yeah. No. Yeah. <laughs> no, but we all know that. Yeah. <laughs> I know we all we did. <laughs> no, but it, it is. We wrote a list before the right. Podcast, so it's we, on the chalkboard out there. Yeah. But no, he's exactly right. That's you'll see that. Now there are ones out there that book shows and that because they actually are good enough to promote shows and that. But yeah. usually it's born out of I can't get booked, so I'm just going to make my own show. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And I think all of us kind of go through that stage when we're first starting. Like if I can't get stuff, how can I get more time yeah. on that? And I, I it don't could be. A good strategy too. I mean, right, I and you know, like some that. of them actually become find that okay, maybe they're not so great as a comic, but dang, they can get some good rooms going. And yeah. you know, like I know two in this area, you know, general area, <laughs> that you know they're on stage act, maybe yeah. not the best, but they are excellent bookers and they put on good shows and they can draw a crowd. <laughs> so. <laughs> That's hilarious. Oh, yeah. So I mean, you know, so there's people you you find your, your place, yeah. And I know there's ones that are good at that part of it, the booking part of it, and they wish they could get more gigs and that. But sometimes you just got to be honest with yourself. What am I good at in this business as a whole? Mm-hmm. I'm, for instance, I'm horrible at promoting myself. Mm-hmm. Horrible. I know I should do more if I wanted to get. I'd probably get you know considerably more gigs if I promoted myself. But I'm horrible at. It. I'm just not good at it. I don't like it, and that's so I just don't bother. Uh, and I constantly, can, you know, tell myself I really need to up my game there. Yeah. Whether I will, I don't know. So, so, so you're not like a guy who focuses on like social media and things like that, uh, right? Not at all. Not. In not fact, right. I force myself to go on Facebook and be like, "Hey, folks, I got a show this weekend." Because nobody cares. <laughs> Nobody's going to come out. Yeah. You know, I've got people that do look for me in that, but they're not people on my Facebook. Right. Yeah. So, so. but. Does that hinder you when you're, like, trying to get into, like, bigger clubs and things like that? Or do you kind of just g- go where, like, like are you sort of like a, like a guy who just goes where the money's coming from? Or are you actively searching to try to get okay. into different clubs? And as far of, as social media. Yeah, well, okay. because, because, like, one of the things that we've talked about with a bunch of headliners is, like, uh, most clubs won't even look at you until you have a certain number of followers. Right. Or... Or, you know, like that kind of thing. And so if you're a guy who's not focusing on that, how are you then getting into places that you haven't okay. haven't been in before? So, again, this is my, right. you know, version of it. Social media is bullshit. Okay. All right? <laughs> it's, a, it's celebrating mediocrity. Uh-huh. All right? It is taking the talentless and making them think that they have something to give to the world. All mm-hmm. right? 
90% of the time or more. There's a lot of beautiful women uh, on there. I'm sorry to be told. I don't know. But they are mostly the talentless. <laughs> they are the talentless. Um, it's not just celebrating mediocrity, but it's taking things that are supposed to be uh, imperfections, red flags in life, and making it that you're special for it. And I'm not d- putting down people that have, like, depression. I've went through depression. It's not fun. Yeah. But it's not something that you go out and, like, want to make it to where I'm cool because That's I have depression. Glorifying. Right. That's a right. Z thing. You can... <laughs> You know, talk about those things and bring awareness to them. That's fine. That's great, in fact. But making it to where you're taking these, what I'm sorry, they're imperfections. You know, whether it's an actual physical disability, a personality disorder, whatever, and make it to where we're cool because we got these. And that's what social media has become. Mm -hmm. And it's that same thing with politics. Everybody now has a soapbox. Used to be that comedians were the voice of the people. Mm -hmm. Now every single person out there has that soapbox. Yeah. And so it doesn't matter anymore. And 99% of the people out there need to shut the hell up. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, so social media to me is a crap fest. And so you get these people that are TikTok famous because they get followers <laughs> for doing crap. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And all of a sudden, and I get the clubs, they're in it for the money. Yeah. Okay? Yeah. So if somebody can draw a crowd, even if it's some drinks. nerd off of TikTok that, you know, can't do a live show, but they yeah. can fill a club because enough, you know, the younger crowd's like, oh, we can go and take a picture of them. Yeah. I've seen some of these people perform. Yeah. I have yet to see one that can hold a candle to even a half-decent, yeah. you know, stand-up comic. The club are on stage, yeah. Um, I've seen some before where the people backstage, you know, the owners of the club are like, what the hell are we doing? You know, like, yeah. this is awful. But well, look, you know, we sold enough alcohol tonight, it's worth it. Mm-hmm. Um I think it's going to be a passing phase eventually. Mm-hmm. Uh, it's a flash in the pan kind of thing where these people get known real quick for this this crap. And like, you know, social media, anything, you know, in that digital age and that, it's here big, hits fast, hard, and then it fades out and goes away. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Once that happens, do these people have the talent to continue headlining these clubs? I'd say most of them do not. Yeah. Some of them may be able to retain some sort of that fan base and that. But... Uh, for me, social media, have I ever lost a gig or that because I have it? I don't know because I've never once gone to a place to where I even care about that. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Almost all of my gigs are word of mouth or I got my foot in the door somehow just so that a booker or the owner can see me. And yeah. usually I can show within a couple minutes on stage that I'm worth giving a try. Yeah. Um, and I, I'm one of those slow and steady mm-hmm. kind of guys. I'm not out there about, you know, i got to hit it big on TikTok yeah. or whatever yeah. and make a scene. I'm just slowly proving myself, and over time, that's building me a foundation that I keep getting booked on better shows, yeah. uh, better venues. There's still doors I can't get my foot in. Mm-hmm. I just move on. Yeah. I don't. I don't care because I get to work places that other guys are jealous of. They get to work places that I'm jealous of, but it, it all evens out. Mm. Yeah, so, I mean, it, it, in my experience, what I've seen, like the best comics, like the, the ones who are just the most skilled, are the ones who are like hardened road warrior guys mm-hmm. that aren't really known on like all the social media platforms and that. they're right. kind of you know like you said word of mouth and they've just been grinding they, they may not be the shows. most famous or most known yeah. but they're they put on a good show yeah because yeah. fame was never a thing for them it was right. just this is the craft i'm really working it out and this and that so uh but at the same time i mean social media that's just kind of where the, the people are right don't you think so mm-hmm. so in a way where like even if um even if it's it's uh you're not necessarily using it to, to be like, you know, TikTok famous or whatever. To a certain extent, don't you kind of, you know, uh, have to use some of it to just reach some, you know, the, the people? And then Well, I guess we can go ahead and cover this since we brought yeah. it up. I actually do use social media, mm-hmm. but not for comedy. Okay. I actually have a business uh, 
YouTube channel that I started a few years ago. I'm not going to put yeah, it on yeah. here or that. Uh, but it actually has a pretty decent following. Um, you know, it's not mega big or that, but I have a regular following. You know, I get probably five, 600 subscribers every month on a regular, oh, and it just yeah. slowly builds up. That's awesome. And it's monetized, so I make a few grand here and there, and it's, oh. you know, that's nice. But it's to promote my business in a stealth way, to where I do these tutorial videos for what I do with my business, oh, okay. and people see it, and then they might go to my website and might buy one of my products. That's the real reason I do it. Yeah. If they're learning something good, that's great, but, you know, maybe buy something, you know? Yeah. Um, that is how I really support my family. Comedy, I do it because I love it. Yes, I like to get money for it, and there's some shows I, I do pretty decent, but I can't, as we know with the pandemic, yeah. We can't rely on comedy a lot mm -hmm. of times, at least for a family guy like me trying to support, you know, wife and four kids. Jeez. It's hard to go, you know, and say I'm going to, like, I had to turn down cruises. Yeah. I had the opportunity to work cruises. I kind of would like to. There's yeah. decent money there, oh, yeah. mm -hmm. but I can't take that time away from my business or my family. So going as a road comic and that just doesn't bring in, you know, enough money. So I just try to do gigs here and there, try to do more of the private gigs that pay better. Mm -hmm. okay. And I try to keep it completely separate from my other business, which I use social media for. Mm -hmm. Because I don't want those two worlds to mix. Okay. Now, I've had people tell me, you should link them up. You know, start telling people on your other social media that you're a comic and that. I don't want that. Mm -hmm. I don't want those people that know me for that coming to shows yeah. and talking work. Yeah, yeah. Uh, yeah. My shows are my escape from yeah. reality. Yeah, mm -hmm. absolutely. So that's my drug. You know, I don't drink. <laughs> yeah. I don't do drugs and that. The shows are my high. Oh, yeah. I want them to go good. I don't want people coming up. Where's my order? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> <laughs> So we yeah, had uh, yeah, we yeah. had Frankie Paul in here a couple oh, of weeks okay. ago. I just did a showcase with him, and he was talking about how he was. Uh, he goes down to the Atlantis Motel or yep, Hotel yep. in mm. the Bahamas and does. He uh, said motel. I That's said, all. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, the Atlantis Motel. Yeah, it's such a The nice shitty hotel. One of the fanciest resorts in the world. The Atlantis Motel. The Red Roof Atlantis. That's right. You can sell. You can see where the type of place I stay. It says more about me than it does that hotel. Anyway, resort. Excuse me, but you do you go down there as well, right? I have it for a while. I was actually supposed to do it. Of course, they canceled all the shows during the whole pandemic thing, and then I was booked to go in this past November. I ended up canceling because of family. My wife was in an accident, has a brain injury, and during that time we were dealing with that and going to neurologists. So I contacted the booking agent, and I'm like, I just don't know if I can be gone for two weeks. Yeah, because that's a two week gig. There, you're stuck on the island. It's beautiful. Don't get me wrong. It's a Beautiful paradise and that, as long as you stay on one side. Yeah, the uh, <laughs> across the bridge, not so much. But um, you know, but that's two weeks away. That during a time when we were looking at, you know, at the time we were house shopping, mm -hmm. yeah. doing all the neurology appoint appointments for my wife, seeing how that's going to go for her lawyers and everything. And I just was like, I don't know if I can go. Uh, so I'm hoping to go this year. Uh, I mean, I'm good with the uh, booking agents. Where if I call them up and be like, Hey, I want to go around this time, he'll get it. So when so. you when you do a show like that, you, you so you do it in like for two weeks. Mm -hmm. So yes. uh, do, like, are, how many sh how many shows a week do you guys do? It's uh, six nights a week. Six nights. Yeah, a week. you, you Ooh, get Mondays you just off. One show. Just one show. Okay. Uh, oh. And it's and the first time you go, it's super exciting, right? Yeah. It's like, oh my gosh, I can't believe I'm getting paid yeah. to stay here. Yeah. Yeah. Like I actually asked one time how much it would cost me if I were to book the room I'm in for two weeks. And they're like, it's six grand. Right? <laughs> I'm getting paid yeah. to actually stay there. And I can bring a guest or two. Yeah. And, you know, you have yeah. to pay for your flight. But if you go through Florida, it's not bad. Yeah. Um, 
So the first time you go, it's super exciting. You're like, oh my gosh, and that, you know, get to do these shows at the club. About after the second time, you couldn't care less about the shows. <laughs> um, you know, because you, you have maybe one show a week where you actually have a decent crowd. Most oh. of the nights, it's because the only thing open is the casino. Mm-hmm. They close everything down on the island except the casino because that's where they want everybody. Yeah, yeah. Right. So there's no entertainment except the casino or you pay $65 to come see a nobody like me at the comic club. <laughs> it's $65? Right? It was. Wow. And they may have even Jeez. gone up. <laughs> so, and it's not a fancy club. It's just a little, you know, basic club, yeah. So, which it's great. I, I love it. Don't get me wrong. But yeah. after you've done it a couple times, the thrill of that part of it's gone. You go because it's a paid vacation right. at the Atlantis. Yeah. And I choose to go in the off season when it's not busy so I don't have to worry about crowds. And even though the crowds at the clubs are even smaller, uh-huh. couldn't care less. It's more fun. Yeah. Well, you can pay the so, same regardless. Yeah, it doesn't matter. So, so. When, when you... Is there any, like, uh, like I know cruise ships, you have to have a certain number of sets, like, different sets. So, yeah. like, when you do that, are you doing, like, the same show every night? Or is it, like... Yeah, there, it's just a club. Just, yeah, you, just... You can do, just, yeah. That's nice. R-rated. I mean, the host they <laughs> oh, have there uh, does some of the bluest, nastiest material. <laughs> so that's it's a cool a, guy. Yeah. <laughs> well, he's the drug dealer. From there, so <laughs> nice. And I'm not being that off on that. Uh, <laughs> But no, it's like they, they couldn't care less. Just go there, do what you, you know. And yeah. I've seen, you know, they'll bring in the odd guest set. There's guys that have actually flown there just to do a guest set. Oh. And it's not booked there. Yeah. It's, yeah. A, you know, out of the Carolinas where it gets booked. But they yeah. go down there thinking they're going to see me and love me. And they show up and you're like, that's not going to get you anywhere. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Um, but it's just bizarre how people have this high thing. And I'm like, no, it's not that hard to get into. It's just most guys can't do it because they can't. Most comics can't afford a flight. To yeah. go there, sadly. Wow. I, so that was what I was going to... That's a big part of it. Is you, have to, you have to have a visa, <laughs> yeah. which a lot of comics don't have that. Mm-hmm. And you have to be able to cover your own flight and I'm be able sure. to go for two weeks. So yeah. there's not too many comics that can do that. If you can meet those requirements, they don't really care. Yeah. So that my, my last question about this, and I mean, if you guys have... But, like, when you... When you uh, first initially got that, was that something that, like, you got introduced to the person who books it and then... Or, like, did you do, like, a festival and they, no, they saw you? How did, how did that work? What it was, and it's how a lot of us move up in the world, you'll find out, is uh-huh. uh, I uh, did a good enough job in front of a couple headliners that they took me under their wing. Mm-hmm. And so, there, you know, Ron Feingold yeah. from Sarah. Mm-hmm. So, uh-huh. like, Ron Feingold, Frankie Paul, there are a couple comics from Central Florida that, uh, when I was first starting out, saw something in me, enough yeah. to where they each at some point invited me to go with them on the road. Uh-huh. Uh, Ron was the first one to invite me to go as the feature for him mm-hmm. at the Atlantis. So the very first time I was at Atlantis, it just so happened in one of the shows, the former owner of the Comedy Zone, mm-hmm. which is uh, the clubs that are owned by the booking company, that the East Coast Entertainment they're mm-hmm. called, they own Comedy Zone and other stuff, and they book the Atlantis. The former owner of Comedy Zone, Brad Goldberg, I think his name was, mm-hmm. was there. Yeah. Okay. Uh, Goldberg. What do you think? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I could have his name wrong. I don't know. <laughs> uh, no, uh, he was there, and I don't didn't know who he was, but he's talking to me, him and his wife, after the show. And Ron's overselling his merch. I didn't have merch at the time, and I was just talking to this guy, and they're like, we really enjoyed the show. You're, you, you're different, and we like it. And I look over at Ron, and he's giving me this look like, oh, my God. Oh, and I'm like, I don't, what? I don't know who this is. Why are you so excited? So he takes me to the side afterwards and explains, that's the former owner of Comedy Zone. I'm like, oh, well, former? What does that mean? They're like, no, you don't understand. He still talks to the current people that own the Comedy Zone and that, Hef- yeah. Hefron and that. Mm-hmm. 
And sure enough, the next day I get an email. I have some dates for you. Would you be interested? Oh, uh, yeah. And that instantly got me in with them to where I, you know, do. I started working their clubs, mm-hmm. and then I started doing like uh, their special private shows and theaters because they book a lot of stuff outside of the comedy zones. Yeah. Nice clubs like Visani's down in Port Charlotte. Yeah, and just Visani's. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, yeah, awesome. And so, yeah, a lot of times you just have to impress the right person, and they're not a dick, so they're like, hey, you know, yeah. my ego will allow you to come with me <laughs> and take you on the road. <laughs> oh, awesome. I do this quite often on this podcast. You play in solitaire? No, the, <laughs> no, the, the person will say something that will remind me, and I, I just emailed the booker that does the that books the Atlanta show. Right. Lynn? Uh, yeah. Okay. And I, because I, I want to do it. Mm-hmm. But from you saying that most comics can't do it, so it's actually, you know, I guess n- not that difficult to get in. Right. I didn't specify in the email the Atlantis gig. So as we were talking, just I just went, by the way, I really want to do the Atlantis gig. <laughs> <laughs> but hey, feel free to mention me, too. Yeah, okay. Uh, Len uses me quite a bit, and... Uh-huh. Uh, it's the kind of thing to where it's. I'd even be one of those guys now that I could say, "Hey, let let Chris yeah. come with me, and him and I'll do the the gig." Okay, I like I to go at like the end of the year because yeah. it's quiet. Mm-hmm. I hate going during the busy, you know, yeah. touristy because it gets busy. Like yeah. to where you know it's got a big water park and everything out there, and you want to mm-hmm. go out and explore and that. And mm-hmm. when it's the busy season, you're like, "I'm just staying in my room." Yeah. When it's the quiet season, oh. <laughs> and go work, you know, cross the bridge, go over to Nassau and enjoy yeah. it, and that it's it's, it's still busy, but not bad. You ever take your your kids and oh every, yeah, every, every time I go, I, I fly not all at once because uh, you can only have up to two guests at a time, so oh. I'll break them up. Okay. Mm-hmm. Uh, and what I learned too, if any of you guys go, if you're going to bring somebody for part of the trip, bring them the second week. Okay. Mm-hmm. Don't bring them the first week and then they go away. That's what I did the first time I was there. Mm-hmm. And it was miserable the second week because you feel so because you're there for two weeks oh. and you're kind of by yourself, you right. know. Mm. So like, I brought my wife the first time, and then she went back home, and I'm still there. I'm like, yeah, uh, <laughs> I just want to go home. You're like I watched <laughs> Die Hard seventeen times. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> you're only be asked if I can get my hair braided so many times. I don't, I don't have that much. <laughs> Hilarious. But it, it's a fun gig. But like I said, you got to view it that it's not so much about the comedy part of it. It's a great vacation that, as mm-hmm. comics, it's one of the perks. You get to go to a beautiful place yeah. Yeah. Uh, and enjoy it for a couple of weeks. So yeah. it's definitely worth doing. Yeah, I don't want to do. I want to do that. Yeah, I want to do it so bad because like my because um, I would definitely bring my wife for a week, mm-hmm. and then my buddy Adam he um, he he's a firefighter and he's done the scuba training. Mm-hmm. So now he scuba dives, and he wants me to like go out learn how to do it. Right. So if I could bring my wife for a week, and then maybe my buddy scuba dive for a week. Well, you know, the Atlantis is shows. right next to some water. No, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> no, that's, that's, Have you ever just, been down there? No, I've never been oh, down that's there. Fun, man. But I keep yeah, seeing, beautiful. I keep seeing all the pictures of like yeah. L.A. Hardy and all these other comics. Yeah. are like, hey, I'm just down here in Atlantis. You, you can go see uh, what's your name the. Blonde bombshell from a few years ago, Anna and Anna Nicole, Nicole Smith. Smith. Oh, yeah, you can go to her grave. Oh, that's just she, yeah, they actually have it like gated off because you have to get, take a taxi from the airport. Yeah. And so sometimes you get a guy that wants to be like a tour guide, yeah. you know, like, hey, I'll take you. Nope, just take me. Yeah. <laughs> and I guess her grave site's there, and like, you know, they actually had to gate it off because people they were afraid of grave robbers and that. Oh like, what kind God. of sick? Uh, 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 like, like, she still looks good. There's, you know, there's, there's got to be silicone down there. <laughs> yeah. Like, but yeah, I remember oh, yeah. The first time I went, that was the big thing. Like, just that—that's her grave right there. Like, oh, okay, thank you. <laughs> Are there any? Are there any? Because I, I looked and I haven't found any. Any shows in Jamaica, like at those resorts? 
I would imagine there. There's a lot of like pop-up shows because yeah. uh, you know they used to be down in uh, Bimini or Bimini, whatever mm-hmm. you say, stuff yeah. like that, on uh, those islands. Um, and different. It depends on the agencies. You're either in with an agency or you're not. Mm-hmm. You know, there's one agency that books some shows and that, and I, they hate me because I, I guess I did too good on a show once. I think I've told you about that, <laughs> which pissed me off, but. Uh, so I don't even bother trying to get in. You, you mm-hmm. got to pick your battles, you know, like, is it worth trying to get into this room? Yeah. Uh, no, then I'm just going to keep moving on. So, yeah. But I know most of those will have at least pop-up shows. Mm-hmm. Might be in a little bar somewhere, but yeah. they have them. I, I went down to, uh, my, uh, we did our honeymoon in uh, Sandals in mm-hmm. Ocho Rios, yeah. and they had shows down there. Really? Yeah, I mean, they had live music and comedy. They had uh, everything. I got to get on. The comedians were, like, American? Or? You know, I didn't go. Because no. I, I mean, well, I'm I talking, I've been married seven, yeah. 17 yeah. years. You're from so. there, right? Yeah, I'm from yeah. there. That's why I'm just like, yeah. I would be so afraid to do comedy for Jamaicans. It's like, such yeah. a different, like, I've, yeah, I've, I've watched it. for the tourists, I think. Yeah, yeah. if, you don't, if it's for the tourists, yeah. like, way less. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> if it's for other Jamaicans, Yeah, yeah the Jamaicans just work there. They're not staying in the room. Go ahead. No, but unless it's like, because I've watched it, like, Jamaican stand-up comedy, it's... Different. A totally. It's yeah. like you know, Oliver Samuels. Yeah, yeah. Oliver yeah. Samuels. Yeah. All that it's stuff. a different thing. Yeah, but, it's, but is it like reggae? <laughs> <laughs> no. Do you mean amazing? Do they dagger between no, 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 no. <laughs> But is there? I hate that. Like people know. <laughs> but no, it's it, it. really. It's like it's like Def Jam in Patois. Oh. It's like you have to. It's very high energy. Mm-hmm. You have to be talking about very specific things that people relate to. Yeah, it's okay. it's it's. Like I guess that it's 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 high energy patois def jam, oh, and it's the complete opposite of what I do. Yeah, yeah. But I'm sure the tourists. <laughs> but but no, for that well, because so my family is also from Jamaica, mm-hmm. and we have like a family home in Jamaica and all kinds of stuff. So if I could get like an Atlanta style thing where I go to Jamaica for like Stay a week and yeah and just that would be incredible. Um, well, in Kingston, but then also near Montego Bay, we have a separate family thing that's okay. The yeah, have larger a family. Compound. Family. Yeah. What street? Um, <laughs> <laughs> I don't want to get into the details of But yes, I mean that would just be so cool. Now even at Atlantis, now at the club. It's almost all U.S. residents that come there that are in the shows that are at the shows there in the mm-hmm. audience. So it's basically just like doing a show here. Mm-hmm. However, the one year I was there, uh, you've heard of Bruce Bruce. Mm-hmm. Yes. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay. of course, legend. He came in for two nights of shows, and uh, yeah, Rudy is Bruce Bruce. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> you're looking good at it. You're looking rough a few. Uh, so he came in to do two nights of shows. Well, they put the shows then in the big theater next to the club, and they had me open for him. Uh, at least one of the nights, me and the other comic, we took yeah. turns opening for. Him. Now he drew only locals. Mm. Uh, none, there were, like literally, I flew my daughters out for that week. So the one night I was going to open for Bruce Bruce, I made arrangements they could go to the show. So I'm backstage with Bruce Bruce and his entourage and everything. Oh, yeah. And he walks up, and, you know, he's only about yay tall. You know, he's just as tall as he is wide. Yeah. <laughs> like a bowling ball with little feet. And uh, he, he's like, I'm like, he's, he's, he's going to die. And he's like, Ugh. you know, just trying to walk over. And he's all sweaty. And, and i like, hey, my, my daughters are out there. And he peeks out from behind the curtain. He's like, yeah, they're easy to spot. <laughs> <laughs> and they were literally the only white faces in the entire crowd. And I'm like, i got to open for him. I'm going to die. Like, yeah. not, but it went fine. I went out there crazy. because I'm not that crass, 
Root, you know, my kind of comedy works for anybody, so it went great. Yeah. <laughs> and he even told me this. My it was a compliment. Uh, he told me I'm one funny ass cracker, <laughs> and I'm like I think that's a hate crime, but I'll take it. <laughs> <laughs> that's what he called me. But uh, it, it ended up being great. But it was a totally different dynamic yeah. with the locals there. Yeah. Uh, and of course, my daughter is in the crowd, and I go out and do my material, and Bruce Bruce is out there like, "Hey, I'm all right, I'm gonna do a little bit." My daughter's like, "I love it." That is awesome. <laughs> I heard Ralphie May was like the same way. Like he, oh, yeah, it was just like when he was not on stage, he was just like struggling to breathe and yeah, yeah, yeah. That's how it was with Bert. Like yeah. behind the stage, I literally thought, like, he, why is he here? Yeah. Like he, you know, it's like hundred degrees outside. I'm like he will die. Yeah. Like this is not smart <laughs> to fly this man here. Yeah. And then as soon as he gets in front of that curtain to the stage, how does everybody do it? And he does like a tight thirty-five headlining set because oh, I wow. think anymore, and he probably would die. And he just and passes out. Yeah, <laughs> and when he comes back, I mean, he always has a towel over. Yeah, he comes back. He is just soaked in sweat, and he's <laughs> limping. And, ah, ah, <laughs> he's kind of lost some weight recently, right? Or, or I don't know. I don't look well. <laughs> Crawford. No. Oh, I, I think the Crawford. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, yeah. He was a nice guy. It was cool though, too, because we're in the green room behind the stage, and then he's got an entourage. I don't know who was all with him, but he brought a bunch of people, and they're bringing oysters, Rockefeller, and all these nice uh-huh. dishes and that. And I'm in the corner with my Lay's chips. Can I have some of that? <laughs> It was fun. I liked it. So what? Uh, uh, what's some other comedians that you've worked for that that we would? Well, there's one that my first like celebrity comic mm-hmm. that is, is always going to be special to me, and most people don't know he's, he used to do stage shows. Is a guy named Tom Wilson. Mm-hmm. He played Biff in the Back to the Future oh, yeah, movies. Yeah, yeah. Uh. Okay, so he did a, an actual comedy show, a mus- musical comedy, that, and he's actually really good. Huh. And that was my first uh, celebrity opening for him. Mm-hmm. And we actually would, I'd go pick him up at the hotel, and my wife came one night, we went out to dinner, oh, nice. and she always had a crush on Biff. Yeah. So oh. her was a dream come true, right? <laughs> and we're hanging out, and he was like, <laughs> That's <hilarious>. <laughs> <laughs> He was the nicest, most down-to-earth guy. I mean, he didn't want anybody to know, you know, who he was when we were out. And at the shows, he didn't want to do much about the Back to the Future yeah. stuff. And yeah. Of course, we show up the one night, I drive up to the club, and they have a DeLorean out front. <laughs> and he's like, it is in my rider. They're not supposed to have that. <laughs> but uh, to, to me, that was always special because I was like the first, you know, like, this is yeah. somebody from a movie, right? Yeah. Yeah. And I've worked with several and I've met people that I haven't even worked with, but they'll end up being at a show. Mm-hmm. Um, I am going to name a name here, yeah. okay, because <laughs> it's not going to be very polite about them. But yeah. I, I, I did a show a while back with a fellow from SNL called Chris Kattan. Oh, yeah. You know, the, the mango. Yeah. 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 Okay. Neither of His brain is fried or something. Okay, I don't know what he's... There's something not right. You know, you think people on SNL, they got to be hilarious people, right? Yeah. I think he is an actor... And an actor alone, like yeah, they yeah, give him yeah. words to say, and he repeats them, yeah. and he comes across as funny. As a person, I've never—he's about as funny as a rock. <laughs> he has no personality whatsoever. It's yeah. sad, <laughs> and yet he's now doing his thing where he goes and headlines clubs, and it is uh, bad, wow. right? But uh, the one night I was doing a show with him, and uh, I was actually talking because he's—I mean, his act is literally like, "You remember the cowbell sketch? Yeah, I was in that." Oh. You remember, you remember Norm Macdonald? Yeah, I know him. Like that's oh. what he does, right? But so, are, but is he is he killing with the audience, or are they just watching? I think they paid because you know it's yeah, mango and that, yeah, yeah. and then because people were coming up after. You know, I don't 
tour with them or anything, but yeah. people were actually coming up. What's wrong with him? I know he came out of the bathroom covered in white powder. Um, <laughs> but, uh, you know, I don't want to say, you know, he broke his neck a few years ago. So everybody's used to him, you know, doing the whole thing. Well, now yeah. he's like, hey, oh. hey, remember <coughs> Pamela Anderson was on SNS? She's, she's hot. <laughs> yeah. You know, and you're looking at him like, what's wrong? And he doesn't tell anybody he broke his neck or anything. So they're like, he so he doesn't explain why right. he's up there. Like, <laughs> like he even has like a like clip a of that turtle. song played from the Roxbury where he's. <laughs> oh, no. Really? He's like, remember when I go like this? <laughs> yeah. Anyway, the reason I bring this up, oh. I ended up going to the, the next show with him, like, oh my god. And I brought my one daughter, I'm like, hey, you know that movie Roxbury that you watched? And you thought it was funny? You want to come meet the guy? So she's like, okay. And we're in the back room with him, and my daughter is quite attractive and very buxom and that. So Chris is like, hey, you want to take a picture? It's <laughs> <laughs> all over. And my, you should see the picture. My daughter's like, <laughs> she was like mortified meeting him right but in the audience that night I had told him why don't you work on a little improv like talk to the audience just try it because his act was bad right so he actually did better he was actually talking and going back and forth and that and there was a guy in the back that he started talking to and I couldn't see the guy it was dark in there but uh, he's like what what's your name and he's like John Biner now I don't know if you know that name mm-hmm. okay most of you are probably yeah, too young yeah. that's a Big celebrity comic from back in the day, okay. Carol Burnett, Ed Sullivan, mm-hmm. impressionist. Uh, sure enough, I had no idea John Biner retired and moved to my town. Mm-hmm. And he was there, and Chris Kattan's trying to go after him, and that oh. was John Biner. He could mop the floor with Chris oh. Kattan. So afterwards, I'm in the green room, like, John Biner, are you kidding me? Sure enough, sure it was him, it. tiny little old man. But you, I took a picture of him. My head was shaved at the time. I looked like a Nephilim standing by, <laughs> by him. But I was like, this is so cool. And I tell people, most of the other comics and that, like, I have no idea who you're talking about. (laughs) Never heard of them. (laughs) Wow, dude. Get a history lesson. (laughs) Yeah. You know, he had his own Showtime series and everything. He was big big news. Yeah. I grew up watching Carol Burnett. With, right. with my 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 grandma and my mom, they love that show. Mm-hmm. So I mean, yeah, I caught I it on reruns. Oh, Tim, Tim Conway. Oh, that was Dorf. Those were the Dorf yeah, Dorf Von Golf. That's right. That's right. <laughs> All right, youngsters. Yeah. <laughs> That's right. That's right. Yeah, I guess that's true. I am older than all no, of y'all. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> but it's also that you guys look so much alike. That's true. Like you guys are having a like real moment. We met at the commune. We met at the motorcycle rally. <laughs> hey, I just got to bring this up. Anybody watch that Last of Us show that's on oh, HBO? Yeah. Okay, so I haven't. I don't hardly watch any TV, right? Uh-huh. But as a family, we just decided to give that show a spin. Uh-huh. And that third episode that came out. With Nick Offerman? You and me would be the two gay guys. My kids are sitting there like, and they're, you know, they're younger, so like, you know, the whole gay thing doesn't scare us or bother us, but it's kind of weird seeing two hairy, bearded <laughs> men go at it like that. <laughs> and I'm like, I know, now you know why I'm not into it, because I, I don't want to make out with me. Yeah, like, I, <laughs> I enjoyed it thoroughly. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I got a new turn on. <laughs> when they whipped off Nick Offerman's towel, my yeah. kids are like, are we going like, to see Don Swanson? <laughs> <laughs> That's a great show, though. If you're not watching that, that one. Well, see, I, like I say, I hardly, wa- I literally watch z- almost zero TV, but I gave that one a try, and I'm like, that's actually pretty good. Yeah. So mm-hmm. it's it's really good. Yeah. Awesome. yeah. So your your journey to Atlanta, are you? Because I know you do stand up and you have a business. Mm-hmm. Did you do any acting at all? 
A little. I hate it. Actors oh, really? are okay. all a bunch of assholes. <laughs> <laughs> uh, here, here's my thing. I tried it. It is the most boring. you got to sit around and mm-hmm. wait, and you're around other actors mm-hmm. who all they want to talk about is, I did this commercial for Verizon Cellular, uh-huh. and then I did this. What did you do? <laughs> I mean, I'm not kidding. Like I'm yeah. sitting in this room you know, when we have the food and that, yeah. and I couldn't give a crap what you've done unless you're, you know... Robert Downey Jr. or something, you're not going to impress me, you know? And they're mm-hmm. all just, like, no humor, yeah. you know? And I'd go to these auditions. I had a buddy who was a stunt coordinator, and he actually has been in movies and that a little bit here and there, and he kept telling me, like, you're, you're good on stage. You need to try acting. So he'd send me these uh, things to go audition. Mm-hmm. And I've gone to these auditions, and I'll be in the room, and, like, <laughs> one audition was, I think it was a commercial or I don't know, but I had to portray, like, a, a dad who's kind of frustrated <clears throat> with his wife for some reason. Mm-hmm. And so they would break us up into groups to where they'd have one dad, one mom, and the two kids. Mm-hmm. And then the one, the group that was going to go up next to audition, they put us in a little room, right? Well, everybody's just silent and just, oh, like that, like the whole place. Yeah. I can't stand that. So I'm in the room making the kids laugh, trying to get them <laughs> home, like, you know, this and that. And they start getting Well, the director came over like three times. I need you to be quiet. <laughs> Stop having fun. Right. Like, what's wrong with you? And, and the other actor's like, what is it with this guy? And I'm, I'm like the only person smiling, me and the kids, you know, them and we go up. Me and the kids hit it off, you know, mm-hmm. like we're doing our part and I'm doing my scenes with them and we're doing fine. The woman who's supposed to be my wife is a true actress because the whole time she's just like, oh my God. Like, <laughs> And then they're like, action. She's like, hi, honey, how are you? I made you your breakfast the way you like. I'm like, no, I don't, you know, who are you? It's just the most insane, disgusting yeah. thing. And acting is such a fraud. Mm-hmm. Right, literally. Like, I mean, yeah. I'm sorry, but stand-up comedy yeah. is the heart of the three main arts. You got musician, acting, and stand-up. Uh, musicians get the highest credit out of anybody, and it takes skill. Let's yeah. not get it wrong. But here's the deal: I used to do some music too. Once you learn how to do a song, you do it for 40, 50 years the exact same way till you're on, you know, you're on autopilot until you die. Okay, it doesn't change. I've seen Billy Joel perform several times. He admits that half the time when he performs, he's literally on autopilot just yeah. trying to get through the show now. Yeah. All right, and they're made as gods because they sing, right? Mm-hmm. Then you have actors and actresses who are literally just going out saying words that somebody else wrote yeah. that they get multiple tries to say it, and if they don't do it right, let's try again, mm-hmm. right? Now, live stage acting, I guess, you know, I, I see why so many would do that because there's more of a thrill in that. Yeah. But then you have comedians. We have to go up there and say words that we wrote, at least real comedians. Yeah. I know there's guys yeah. and gals out there that have stuff written for them, but if you're a real comic, yeah, you have to use your own material. I even know like open mic guys that have writers. I'm like, are you hilarious. kidding me? <laughs> That's hilarious. But, you but pay someone does. else to write material that yeah. no one's going to hear? Yeah. No, I, don't, I, don't, I know a guy who has a comedy coach who's an open micer. Yeah. So uh, that is weird. Yeah. Anyway. So I, I, I understand know. having somebody help you along, but literally writing your material. Like, yeah, to me, comedy true. should be part of you. You know, yeah. whether it's an exaggerated version or whatever. Like, most yeah. of my comedy is based on something yeah. that happened in my life. I might twist it and, you know exaggerate the hell out of it but yeah. it's me right i don't need somebody coming you know if somebody came up and said i'm gonna do a bit about you about getting high on brown you know mm-hmm. edibles and that well i've never done it so it's not gonna work right yeah. i don't you know but i feel like the audience um, has a sixth sense of 
kind of authenticity. Like if they, they, if do. they don't really sense that you're being real, they kind of tune out. But it's true because I've tried it back in the past. Like I'm gonna try this bit that has nothing to do with me and that, and it just didn't work. Yeah. Um, but yeah, I think comedy gets the the short stick because we have to go out there do no safety <laughs> net. There's no do overs when you're in front of you know. 20, 30, 50, 100, 1,500 people, whatever, you have to say your words, make them laugh, and if not, you die up there. Mm -hmm. And you have to have the skill to change paths immediately if things aren't going right in that. If you're up there on a stage play, you're just, you know, doing what you've been told to do. I don't know. I know I'm being harsh in that, but I, I've tasted the waters of, you know, acting in that. And I'm like, this is not for me. Well, I've There's done some... all three of those things that you talked about, <laughs> right. and this is the only one that I find very rewarding. And, and terrifying at the same time, I mean, right? I, I, I found a lot of, like, when I was in, in younger and I was in <clears> bands <throat> and stuff like that, I found that rewarding, too. But mm-hmm. the problem was, is it's, when you're in a band, it's a group of guys. Right. You know what I mean? And then everybody has their own personalities, and then... One person's like messed up on drugs. It's hard to do things, you know. Like there's, mm-hmm. it's just in comedy's just me. You yeah. know what I mean? Oh, so, I was gonna say, I was like, you're describing the comedy scene, <laughs> yeah, right? Right. <laughs> but unless you're doing like, like a improv, tour, yeah. where, where it's like a group yeah. of people or like a tour, you know, it's it's always just you. Yeah. You know what I mean? It's your your you and a microphone. That's it. Yeah. So it's much easier for no me. No equipment because, to haul. Yeah. It's one no. night, yeah. Beca- because I'm not a guy who goes out and gets fucked up on drugs or anything like that mm-hmm. so for me it's easy you look like you are I yeah. know, I know. <laughs> but so do you <laughs> I get that a lot I get offered so many drugs after shows people think I'm an alcoholic and I'm like I could go for chocolate milk actually that sounds, that sounds pretty sweet but that's what I love about it is that like yeah, I, it, it uh, begins and dies with me you yeah. know either I go up and I do great and it's on me or I go up and I do bad still on me yeah. <laughs> you know but so do you think there's any aspect of Acting that can kind of help with comedy, or like, is it oh sure, I think yeah. there's part, but I mean, there's a reason why you see so many stand-up comics become great actors, but yeah. you rarely see great, great actors become. become st- I mean, yeah. you see Robert De Niro when he tried to do stand-up; no. it was god awful oh, yeah. in these different <laughs> ones because one benefits the other more than the other. And when you're yeah. a comic, you have to learn how to. We're all acting on stage yeah. when we're doing our stand-up. Mm-hmm. We are acting to a certain degree, probably at its purest form. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So, uh, you know, it becomes easy, you know, when you do... That's why I think when I did those auditions, that it was so boring to me. Mm-hmm. You know, they're, they're like, we need you to go out and act slightly frustrated <coughs> with your wife there. I'm like, yeah, no problem. You <laughs> already <laughs> hated her. Yeah, <laughs> <sitting> <laughs> <like> <laughs> very that was no, no big deal. That, you know, <laughs> sitting quiet and not telling jokes, that was hard, right? Mm-hmm. Right. Um, but no, I, th- I think... You know, I know guys that do, like, improv-type acting, that I think that could help. I'm not going to be one that bashes just because I don't do it. Right. Mm-hmm. Impro- yeah, I've, I've had a couple of comics tell yeah. me improv's the way mm-hmm. to go. They like, really make, I did an yeah. improv class, and it was... I did it because I needed it to help me think on my feet. That's, yeah. Because I was trying to, like, do more crowd work and just be more comfortable, so... Yeah. Well, I feel like anytime, even if you're... Like, we, you were talking about open mics and how there's a... Uh, a, a limited amount of information you can really get from those, like, a, you know, as a stand-up. But uh, the one thing that improv and open micers, you know, get out of it really is, like, learning stage presence and things yes. like that. You know, like, like the audience might not be the best in the situation, but you can always get a little bit, <laughs> you know. Yeah. And, and once you once you nail your presentation, then it's just about... Going out and getting away from that. Well, shit. my my term that I always use the open mic is there for you to put calluses on your soul. Yeah, <laughs> like you're like you you do enough open mics where you bomb enough to where you get to the point where it's like I'm up here, but I don't give a shit. If I right. bomb, who cares? Yeah, it doesn't I matter. I bomb so many times. Once you get to that point, there's kind of n- nothing else you can get out of 
being in a and dive I, bar and telling like I jokes said, for that's a bunch of drunks. The, the best thing about them is learning to bomb. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Because if you're going to do comedy professionally, you have to get to a point to where you really don't bomb anymore. Right. Yeah. You know, you, mm-hmm. you probably hear all these comics like, oh, I bombed that show, or, you know, they like, you know, quarter of my shows, I end up bombing or that. That's, to me, not a professional comic. Yeah. Because if you're doing that, you're either not a good comic or you're <clears throat> intentionally using material that is creating a rift between you and the audience, which mm-hmm. some big-name comics do that. Mm-hmm. Ralphie May did that shortly before he was dying. I was at a yeah. club like a week after he was there, and they fired him. We'll have, never have him back. Like, I don't care if he's a celebrity. Half the people walked out. It was awful. <laughs> but he intentionally did that. <laughs> but if you're going up and actually bombing because you're just not good in that, then you're not ready to be a headliner. Mm-hmm. When you're a true headliner, the only time a show should go bad is when it's something out of your control an extremely drunk group or the yeah. staff there did something wrong. I've had a show at a resort to where they set it up and there was no way a show was going to work in this place they were going to have us. And I told them ahead of time, like, oh, let's just do it. Fifteen minutes in, I just walked off like, this is ridiculous. Mm-hmm. <laughs> had nothing to do with me. They just had no clue what they were doing that. But if yeah. it's a proper setup, you know, with an audience and that, no. I have shows that go good, shows that go great, and every once in a while I have a show that's amazing. Yeah. But I can't say I really have shows that go bad anymore. Yeah. Can and you, you have to reach that point. Can you tell them the story about your, um, what was it, the bridal shower? Oh. Story. <laughs> okay, so I, story. I got uh, called by another comic, a female comic, who was supposed to be doing a show for a private bridal shower. Mm. And she had been in a car accident, couldn't make it. And, like, I know you can work clean. Are you able to? I had never met this woman either. And I'm like, I, I guess so. You know, and it paid decent. I'm like, well, yeah, I'll just, you know, go for that. So I show up at this restaurant where they're having it in an outdoor eating area. It was hot. The fans weren't working. I could see through the window all the women, their makeup, mascara was running because they're all sweaty. They looked miserable. And the mom of the bride comes to get me. She's like, okay, let's do the show. And I'm I'm like, okay, okay. As soon as I walked out, the mom goes, this is Paul Jensen. He's going to do some comedy for us. The bride starts bawling. As soon as she saw me and just turned around, wouldn't even look at me. And she had her little friends there, I guess, her, you know, wedding party of that. They just got on their phones and just ignored me and that. So, and there's like 20 people there outside. They're all miserable. A couple little kids. So I'm trying to do jokes and, you know, do family type material. And like the older ladies are enjoying it. But the girls are just getting louder and they're talking louder to each other. You know, I'm up there and they're, they're looking this way. And, I, and I'm like, she's bowling. Yeah, well, she was just so offended that I was there. How dare? And finally, I look at the mom, and I'm like, I don't think this is working. (laughs) And we went in the other room, and normally I'd be, you know, sympathetic or that. And she started to get the money, and I just kind of grabbed her, like, all right, well, I'll see you. I'm like, you know what? I did my part. This had nothing to do with me, but that was not... (sighs) Did you know why she was was just offended? I think she was one of those bridezillas, and I think everybody was out there... It looked like it was going bad, whatever was happening anyway, and they were oh, hot okay. and miserable. Yeah. Oh, yeah. And then me being somebody that they don't know, the only guy in the area yeah. walks out like, hey, who's up for some jokes? Yeah. <laughs> you know, go over. yeah. <laughs> uh, I didn't say anything offensive or that. It's yeah. just that that was not what, you know. They just didn't want comedy. No. And they were dealing with some. We didn't understand that. Why would you not want to laugh? Yeah, right? Some it people just don't. blows my mind sometimes. <laughs> it's just, I already told the story, but me and Duncan, me, Duncan, and Eugene Singleton is one of the local comics here. We did a show, this was probably like a month ago, and it was when it was getting really cold. And it was an outdoor show that they did not cancel. (laughs) And the show, I think the show started at like 7. So at first when the show started, the sun had just come down. Right. 
and it just was getting colder and colder. <laughs> and as the show progressed, it was dropping into the 40s. Oh. And it was just, it was painful to be outside. And I'm like, why won't they cancel this? And we just plowed, I mean, <laughs> plowed, just bombing. And just, like, yeah, I was going to say, was the audience into it? Or? I mean, they were yeah. sort of into it as much as they could be when you're right. physically <laughs> suffering. Right. Yeah. Like, there's only so much your brain will allow you to ignore the fact mm, yeah. that you're outdoors and it's 40. 46 degrees or 44 degrees or whatever it was. I mean, Duncan called for an intermission yeah. just so they could I mean, go sit by the fire for a little while yeah. and warm so, up before so, And there's the other part. I mean, you want to talk about distractions? There was a <clears throat> fire pit on the other side of, like, this whole green area. Right. So they're literally looking at the fire oh, yeah. and then, like, oh, my God. <laughs> and they're looking back at you. Oh, it was brutal. Man. So, um, all right. You you say you m- mostly just do like universally kind of clean comedy, right? Cleanish. Clean-ish. I don't call myself a clean. I have adult material. I change it depending on the crowd, the show. Like right. tonight, I'll be cleanish. You know, light PG thirteen. So, what's um, your process for writing material like that? That's like cleaner. If I can, I, I have something that kind of something my wife said, something I saw, whatever sparks it. Right. right. And I'm like, how can I make this funny to an audience? And how can I do it as a clean version, and then how can I have a more adult version? Usually, okay, because I've got jokes that work both ways, uh-huh. or I've got little, you know, extra lines that I'll do when it's the more, you know, the late night club show, whatever. Right. Um, and I'll then I just try it on a show. Uh-huh. I'll go up there almost every show I do. I have a new bit that I'll try. Okay. And if it seems they usually don't hit big right out of the gate, you, right. you know, you got to kind of learn it. I'll give it a try. If it seems like you got a few laughs, all right, I'm gonna try it a couple more times, see if I can get this. Fine tune. If it doesn't seem to work in that, I just get rid of it. Okay. Um, and that's really all it. I have never once written down a single line of material. You know, comics yeah. are always about you know you got to have these writing groups and write yeah. down stuff and that. It's not just me. in your head. All, all yeah, of it. I've never really? written a single word down. Wow. Um, wow. That's impressive, man. I, it, like it, the Jay Z of comedy. <laughs> it doesn't work for me. I I, <laughs> I I tried once writing stuff and I just sat there and I'm like. You know, I, I thought of a premise. I'm like, why do I need to write it down? I've got it now. Mm-hmm. Um, but so you don't ever have a situation where you're like out and you you see something, you're like, oh, I got to write a joke about that, and then just ne- you like you never forget it. You got to steal steal track. Oh, I'm sure I have a the odd thing where I'll come up with that. That'd be a good idea in that, and then you know just, let yeah, it pass. Just, but usually it's I'm working, you know, because I have a lot of alone time with my work for my business, uh-huh. and that's where I usually come up with stuff. I'll be in there. Working, you know, sawing stuff and that and coming up with ideas. Like, you know, oh, my son went in the women's bathroom the other day. That thing he said was kind of funny. How could I twist that around? You know, mm-hmm. like, and it became a bit that I use. So I'm actually working on one now. And I actually, I'm going to mention it because you uh, folks can tell me if this is appropriate. Okay, I don't do racial material, right? right. I don't mind race stuff as long as it's not derogatory. Can I okay? just say, what? when a white guy goes, all right, since I got black people, yeah. I'm like, oh, here we go. <laughs> I'm not a racist, but... <laughs> no, I'm going to tell you a true story, okay? And I'm trying to debate whether I should try to use this in a bit because it's a true story, and I have to tell you that because it's otherwise it sounds like the stupidest dumbest thing mm-hmm. but it actually happened about three weeks ago i had to go to town to get a couple things to prepare for our move at uh, the store my second oldest daughter wanted to get out of the house go with me she had no clue i was going to walmart she hates walmart mm-hmm. i go into walmart i'm in the home section of you know, tools and that and she's with me she's like are we done i'm like no i need checks you know i had to bounce back and forth between a couple aisles and that and she's like oh my god are we done i'm like just give me a minute mm-hmm. 
I finally find the last thing I need. She's like, are we done? I'm like, yes, we're done. We can go. She's like, fine, let's bounce. All right? <laughs> Which just struck me as funny. Like, let's bounce. I know she meant, like, let's go on that, yeah. but she's never said that before. <laughs> well, as a dad, it's your job to embarrass your kids in public. Uh-huh. That's yeah. that's our job, right? Yeah. So I looked at my daughter, and I go, let's bounce. Well, you know who else likes to bounce? Winnie the Pooh's friend. And I go, the wonderful thing about Tiggers. Uh. And right as I said that, there was a black uh. <laughs> <laughs> I'm making this, a black gentleman was down looking at something and I saw him do the slow <laughs> and out of my peripheral vision I realized he did not hear me say tiggers <laughs> and so I'm like I just in, unintentionally committed a hate crime <laughs> so I you know I didn't want to c- cause an issue and you know how you have those moments where like in a split second you have a hundred thoughts go through your head like what am I going to do yeah. I did the only thing I thought I could do I just continued the song, because tickers are wonderful things, and I started going down. And, and I kid you not, behind me, I didn't turn around, but I heard the guy, he goes, oh, he talking about Tigger. <laughs> and after we got out of the aisle, my daughter actually oh. took a breath, she's like, dad, do you know what you did? I'm like, yeah, let's take a car. That's a great joke. Oh, that's a good one, man. But I'm not making any of that up. I, I went home. My daughter was like, "Mom, your dad's gonna tell you what he just did." <laughs> oh, that's so great. I'm not kidding though. When I saw him do that slow turn, I'm like, "Oh, oh, Because oh, oh. how do you explain that? No, I, you know Tigger from Winnie the Pooh. I swear I said it had a T, a hard T, a hard T, a hard T. Uh, There's a, a comedian, his name is Dustin Nickerson, and he has a joke about where he's like, when I say my last name, I really have to stick the leg. <laughs> <laughs> uh, that's funny. It's, it's my dad, again, like to embarrass your family in, in right. the public. I think we were in Walmart, actually. Remember Markeith Lloyd, the guy that like murdered a police officer and his girlfriend and was on the run? You remember that? And like the whole state of Florida was looking for him? Yes, yeah, yeah, I do remember that. When they were looking for him, again, this guy murdered his girlfriend, murdered a police officer on the run, like he's on the news. Nancy Grace is like, where's Markeith Lloyd or whatever? Mm -hmm. We're in Walmart and (laughs) we're buying like snacks and stuff. And I don't remember what, let's say Doritos, right? And my dad grabs a bag and yells across the aisle, You think Markeith would like the, the blue ones? <laughs> 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 That's why you're a comic. <laughs> <laughs> I was like, What's wrong with you? <laughs> I think some of us were just damaged that way mentally. That's how it is. Like my mom, she had one of those senses of humors to where uh, when I first got married, you know, my wife moved you know, to live with me and, you know, away from her family. And so now she's thrust into this new environment with my mom. And my mom was very polite, but she's still like, you know, my mom was very blunt. Like if she mm-hmm. thought something, she just said it. it didn't matter. And one time we were in a government office in St. Louis and we're in the elevator and there's all sorts of people with us. And uh, my wife's standing right next to my mom and everybody's quiet. You know, nobody wants to talk in the elevator. And all of a sudden my mom goes, did you just fart? <laughs> and my wife, you should have seen her just turn red like, oh. <laughs> my mom couldn't care less of that. My wife was mortified. Like, 
<laughs> I'm like, yeah, that's mom. Don't worry about it. <laughs> All right, well, this question is only for me because I'm the only okay. other guy in the room that has I am straight. You know, you started talking about last year. I know. <laughs> no, no. Uh, I'm the only other one that has kids here. So, like, when you... Uh, did you already have kids when you started? Yes. Okay. So, how is that... All right. How how are you about balancing like being out and doing comedy and just being gone a lot with like having a stable home life and being there for your kids and wife and that kind of thing? Again, I'll, this is how, what worked for me. When I first started getting paid gigs, I made it kind of a pact with my family that if ever comedy interfered with my family, mm-hmm. I would give comedy up. Family has to come first. I have no relatives anymore mm-hmm. in this country. All I have is my wife and kids. That's it. Okay. Uh, they're everything to me. So if I were to do anything that's going to cause a problem there, that gets removed. Right. Fortunately for me, my family has been extremely supportive, mm-hmm. uh, so that's never been a problem. However, I have had to lose opportunities. Like I said, I was offered to do cruises. Mm-hmm. I, for years, I wanted to do cruises. I thought that was going to be the greatest thing. Then it finally happened, and I had to say no two mm-hmm. times. And the one was for a high-end cruise line. Mm-hmm. And I, 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 I hated saying no, but at the same time, it's like, I can't do that to my family. Yeah. Uh, no, it would make enough money to where, you know, being gone that amount of time financially is probably okay. But I'm still going to be gone a long amount of time for my family. They probably love it. Yeah. <laughs> I don't know if I'd be able to hack it. And I know it would also hurt my business. Right. And uh, long term, that's going to be a bad thing. Yeah. So. And scale wise, like, what do like that type of cruise? What does that pay? What's the pay on that? It varies. I mean, uh, you know, top of the line cruises, you can make a good five six grand a week if you're top of the line. Now, I, I like I did a bunch of shows with. Uh, Rondell Sheridan. I don't know if you. He was the dad so on That's So Raven. Mm. Okay. Oh, yeah, 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 yeah. Yeah. All right. He's mainly a cruise ship comic guy, and he yeah. works the high end ones. And he's one of the guys that said, "If I want to get my foot in the door, mm-hmm. now he gets like six grand a week when he oh. does them. Right. That's not where I'm going to start. Yeah. But generally, you're looking at probably twenty five hundred to three grand a week um, to do cruises. Um, though, depending how you get in them, I, I mean, the one I've heard offered was 1500 a week. And people are like, hey, that's great. I'm like, yeah, but that's a week. Mm-hmm. Now, if you were to do a headlining set at a club, you know. Every day for a week. Right. <laughs> and add that up, plus your merch sales, which your merch is very limited on ships. They don't allow you to sell oh, yeah, shirts and stuff ask, like that. Yeah. Uh, I'm like, you're gone a whole week. So that makes it sound great. But it, you, that literally is about the same what you'd be making at a club, maybe even less. Mm-hmm. Depending, you know, because some clubs pay you per show, not per yeah. night. Right. Not all, but it just depends. But it's like, it's not as good as it's made out to be, in my opinion. Now, for some comics, that's probably enough. I have a family to support. Right. So I can't be gone a week, two weeks, and only be making fifteen hundred, two grand a week. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, I do more than that with my business generally, so I can't risk losing that money, making less money, being away from my family. Mm-hmm. So that's why I've had to make those tough decisions. Yes, I want to do comedy. I'd love to do it more, but I, I have to stay in my own path for the sake of my family. Yeah. That's why they say it's a single person's game. Mm-hmm. Single comics can go off and do all these festivals, and then go to these different clubs. Oh, shut up! High <laughs> five! Them. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah whatever. <laughs> You're the people at the shows, and I'm like, where are my single people at? And they're like, where are my married people at? Here, because yeah. <laughs> they're beat down by life. Yeah. <laughs> So that's I, I'm I'm a guy who I, luckily I I started I had kids really young mm-hmm. like uh, my first kid was I was 19 you know so 
I mean, now I'm 37. My kids are, you know, close to being grown. I say, you know? Okay, I was going to say, don't make me do math. No, no, no. <laughs> I, my, I have a, a one kid who, gra- who graduates high school this year, and then I also have a 12-year-old daughter. Okay. Both daughters, actually. But so, you know... But being new, and like they're you know, once they get that age, there's like tons of like social life things, like soccer games and dances, yeah. and things, shit, shit like that, you know. And it's like, do I want to miss a soccer game for my kid or go do a five dollar gig at a, a shitty restaurant, you know? And Here's how I decided: if the gig paid enough to make it worth missing this evening, you know, I'll have a gig to where. You know, I've been offered $150 to drive four hours to do a show. No, right. I'm not going to do it. Right. But then all the gig where it's like, you get $600, we provide a hotel for the overnight. Yeah. That's worth it. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, and I'll make sure nothing's planned big with, you know, I've had to actually lose a couple big gigs because my daughter had, a, you know, her recital or something like that. Right. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, when you're a parent, you got to make those tough choices. I'm not going to tell you what to do. Yeah, That's yeah. your choice. Yeah, but. Yeah. Uh, I can always get another gig. My kids, you know, could disown me, and I'll, yeah. you know, I'm, I don't want to make any more. That's a great point. So, really? <laughs> but uh, one thing I know you want to talk about clean comedy too. Yeah. I don't know if you want to touch on that real quick. Yeah, or wrap I, it up. Or? Yeah. Well, I wanted to, specifically. I want <clears throat> to know, I guess, for everybody listening, the pay scale difference. Okay. First of all, how many people are we talking to here? Like twelve people listening? Like you know. Okay. 50, 60, okay. something like that. But they're actually mostly comics. Okay. Yeah. I mean, I, I don't know who else would listen to this at this point. We're so deep into, right. like, FUBU. It's, yeah. it's, it's, it's growing, though. So that's the thing. Like, we're, it's we're growing. We're getting okay. more Casey more Anthony tunes in. She's yeah. 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 Yeah, of course. She wants to know about the parents. She's the number one fan. Yeah. <laughs> but, yeah, because I, what I've found is people who can work clean get so much more work. Yes. And the work is better paid. Yes. And... Corporate gigs, I st- yeah, I'm right. starting to learn about it, and it's blowing my mind. I'm like, mm-hmm. I have yeah. got to switch up. I mean, I'm, I'm you work with me. I'm not that dirty, so right. I can switch it up and keep it PG-13 if I have to. Right. Um, so my experience is this. If you can work clean, and when I say work clean, I'm not saying you have to be clean as all around. Right. I like some blue material, and I love dirty humor if it's funny. Yeah. I don't like guys that are just up there being gross and offensive yeah. with yeah. no jokes. Like right. But if you're right. Yeah. Well, I remember my wife and I went to a comedy contest to watch one time, yeah. and we had this thing where, like, every time one of the comics does a dick joke, let's take a shot. Ten minutes in, we're like, we're going to die. But for me, I realized right off the bat, being cleaner than average already makes you stand out. Mm-hmm. Because when I started, I was a you know soon to be middle aged white guy mm-hmm. that had nothing to offer the comedy world. Right? right. I'm just another one to blend into the, the, the you know I'm not hip, I'm not cool, I'm a dad. Like oh, what are you doing in this? Right. Yeah. So I, I took the route like let's do cleaner. So when I I learned that very first time I was on stage, like I, I talked about earlier, those other guys, the one guy was pulled off the stage because he was so disgusting. Mm-hmm. People yeah. were just he was. Oh, it was revolting. Nice guy to talk to him mm-hmm. on stage. He was revolting. Then I went up and I did like family friendly type material. The crowd loved it. I've worked biker bars to where I've featured and gone in and absolutely killed, you know, this huge room full of bikers and rough looking people doing PG, PG 13 yeah. material. Then the headliner goes up, loses them within five minutes because he's dirty. Because mm. he's like, they're bikers. They want the dirty stuff. No, they want funny. They want funny. Yeah. Yeah. You went up there and we're talking about grotesque things that yeah. weren't funny. Mm-hmm. Yeah. 
Um, Shocking them. Yeah, and, and the thing is, if you can work clean, cleanish, it is really easy to throw in some blue material from time to time. It is really hard if your whole thing is, I'm going to talk about raping my dog, and if they don't like it, that's on them. I'm an artist. Yeah. Oh, okay. Um, <laughs> but you take that material, it's really hard to clean that up. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So if you can actually work clean and proven to work clean, you will get noticed over time to where you will start getting booked by agencies that need you for corporate shows, resort mm. shows. Here in Florida, big money in the retirement communities. Mm. And not, yeah. that doesn't mean nursing homes. Yeah, right. A lot of comics think that, oh, you're working <laughs> nursing homes? No, I don't do those. Yeah, the like villages, stuff like plus, yeah. Yeah. yeah, and those can be awesome shows. Hmm. Uh, like the Margaritavilles. Mm-hmm. Those are retirement communities, but those are party crowds. Mm-hmm. Like they're more fun than some club crowds, yeah. honestly. And they pay excellent. Um, and what it is, you have to prove that you can do it, and uh, you will get noticed over time. It takes time, yeah. but then uh, they'll have these uh, showcases mm-hmm. for like, uh, I just did one this week. Mm-hmm. There was a showcase to where you go and you perform at a theater, and the first three, four rows are all the bookers for different retirement communities and resort communities and that. Mm-hmm. They're there to see the different acts, and the, the showcases are mostly music, mm-hmm. maybe a magician or two, and then maybe a comic or two. Mm-hmm. And you have to wow those bookers. Mm-hmm. And uh, you do that, then they book you usually a year out. Wow. Those shows pay good money. Mm-hmm. Like you can do one of those shows, and it's basically like mm-hmm. working, you know, an entire weekend headlining a club mm-hmm. at the minimum. Wow. Huh. Um, so, yeah, if you want to do it and actually make money, clean is where it's at. You're going to get booked more. You're going to get higher pay. And I know a lot of comics hate that. They're like, clean is stupid and that. Well, then enjoy working your bar shows for 50 yeah. bucks, okay? Yeah. There's nothing yeah. wrong with dirty humor. I love it. I've got some dirty jokes I do myself when the time is right. Yeah. But if I'm going to do this, if I'm going to take the time away from my family, from my business, I want to get paid enough that it's worth my time. Yeah. So if that means going out there and not dropping an F-bomb, yeah. and sometimes that's all it is. Like my material, I can make blue so easy or I can make church clean so easy. Mm-hmm. There's uh, there's maybe three, four jokes that <laughs> if I have to do a clean show, I don't do those at all. Yeah. But most of them I've developed where I can adapt them as needed. I've got a slightly different punchline or a little yeah. tag or something. Yeah. And yeah, I, I cannot stress enough that being a, even if you can't do a whole clean act, learn to do a 10, 15 minute clean yeah. set. Okay. Mm-hmm. That will get so many doors open for you. That, that's been something I've been thinking about too because on, on a, for one, a guy like Brian Regan mm-hmm. is proof that the most important thing is funny. You could be Brian Regan perf- could perform anywhere in front yeah. of like some of the, the the most dangerous people in front anywhere in front of kids, uh, but he's funny. And, right. Uh, it doesn't matter that he's clean or dirty. That, that's the most important part. Mm-hmm. But also like for uh, for for guys like me who are kind of coming up doing open mics and and you know we we. You know, there, there's always the temptation to like go over the top when you're doing mics and things like yeah. that. But it's actually, I feel like it's a good writing exercise to like sit down and try to see if you can, if you write dirty a lot, to try to see if you can write some clean right. stuff. But again, like we were and, talking uh, earlier, don't use the open mic reaction to the yeah, exactly. yeah, yeah, as a yeah. judge. Yeah, yeah. 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 Because okay, usually yeah. the open mic crowds are, like we said, are usually other comics and their yeah. buddies and that. They don't want to hear clean material. That's so boring <laughs> uh, to them. Who yeah. cares? They don't pay at the shows. They exactly. don't book at the real clubs, mm-hmm. right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. you got to think, what does an audience want? And that's my whole thing. So many comics in this day and age, the up-and-coming ones, they put themselves first. I'm an artist. I'm going to say what I want. I don't yeah. care what I... No, you put the audience first. Yeah. And if you make that audience happy, you're then going to make the booker club owner happy. 
Those are the two parties you put first. Yeah. You do that, then you're making yourself happy because you had a good show and you're getting paid and getting rebooked. Yeah. So then you're taking care of yourself. But if you go up there with that attitude, like to hell with it. I've been put on shows because they had to fire the comic for a... a uh, I'll give you an example. They had Christmas shows at this club, two weeks worth of cl- Christmas shows. They booked the same two comics for the entire two weeks. Mm-hmm. I was called in for week two because they had to fire the one comic because she had a breakdown because she had to do work clean. Mm-hmm. And the one night she actually snapped on stage. You're like, I'm not going to these effing this and effing that. And, you know, if I want to say this effing that and effing, you know. And they fired her. Like, you can't do that. She's like, I don't care. That's what I'm going to do. I'm a comic. I can say what I want. Mm-hmm. Well, no, you can't because now you don't work here. Yeah, <laughs> but it's, yeah. it's so extreme because... And again, I'm I'm at the stage where I'm starting to learn a lot more insider stuff. If you're headlining the improv on an off night, I think that pays like three hundred bucks mm-hmm. or something like that. Mm-hmm. Unless you're doing a door deal where you get a bunch of money. Right. But if you're headlining the improv on an off night, it's like three hundred, three hundred fifty bucks. Mm-hmm. Or you can do one of these private shows that's fifteen hundred dollars. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And what, what I think a lot of comics aren't realizing is the people that you see running around that look like they're killing it because they're at these clubs, mm-hmm. you assume they're the ones making the money. Mm-hmm. And it's not. No. It's I, mean, I know some comics that do like conventions that are shit tons of money. Mm-hmm. And quiet. Nobody, nobody knows who these people are. Yeah. They're just, a lot of times you know, those comics hardly will even get into the club scene because they're like, that's beneath me now. Yeah, Why yeah, am I going to yeah. do that when I can be making this guy? There's a guy in Florida mm-hmm. named Sarge. Ever heard of him? No. Okay, of course not, because he's not a club comic, right? Yeah. He's actually been on one of the late shows. Mm-hmm. Uh, I hope he's not listening. If you are, sorry, <laughs> sorry, but he's not a great comic. He's not very funny at all, very yeah. hacky and that. <laughs> Uh, he can play the piano, so he does a little bit of piano music. So he has a show where he does some jokes and plays the piano, talks about his, you know, his rough upbringing, how he's trying to turn, a, you know, kind of like an inspirational speaker, all in one show. I've seen bits and pieces of it, not very entertaining to me. He gets like twenty five hundred dollars a show doing the private circuit, is what we call it, the private circuit. He doesn't have to do a single club in his life. He can do four or five shows a week sometimes during the busy season, um, and. He's. I've known people that do that private circle and that are getting you know two grand, twenty five hundred dollars a show, and you know they just do that, nothing else. It's kill, killing wow. in obscurity. Yeah, yeah. yeah. You know you're crazy. never going to get famous doing that. Yeah. Don't get me wrong. So you have to realize, okay, I'm never going to become a household name. Yeah. But you do build up a reputation because in the private circuit, I've started to build up my reputation here. Uh-huh. Uh, like I'm getting known in the villages, unfortunately. Uh-huh. <laughs> you have a, your loofah ready? What's that? Your, your loofah? loofah? My loofah. Oh, yeah. yeah. <laughs> I, I have the one brown because I like anal sex. <laughs> <laughs> I'm just saying. It was me. Uh, no, I do jokes about that, about the loofahs and pe- people that don't know. Like, what do you talk about? But everybody that knows, like, ah, that's true. <laughs> um, but no, it, it, it is a great way if you want to actually make money doing it the clean route, being able to do those shows, and you just have to get over that whole uh, insecurity about, yeah, but I'm not at the improv this week. Well, who cares? You're making five times the money doing yeah. one show on a stage with 1,500 people. Yeah. Or next week profitable. for 50 people in an RV park. You never yeah. know, okay? Yeah. But if the money's the same, who cares? Yeah. I'll be honest. Private circuit, 75% of the shows are absolutely awesome. 25% of them, I'm on autopilot because it is literally an almost dead audience. They're on oxygen. They're oh, out there. Uh, but you get paid enough, it's fine. Yeah. 
Yeah. Man, you oh. I'm happy you came today, man. Yeah. You really <laughs> you you changed my perspective a little bit. Because like, you know, I'm I'm new at this, right? So, mm-hmm. but I I feel like when you're saying that you're if you're going out and doing this and you know, you're leaving your family and so like you're mm-hmm. making a sacrifice to do this because you love it. You know mm-hmm. what I mean? That's similar how I feel about it, right? But I've you know, like when you're when you're early on, you're just kind of like grabbing at straws to try to make people right. laugh. You know what I mean? Yeah. Or at least that's what I'm. I feel like we, I we all do that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. And so I'm not a clean comic at all. You mm-hmm. know what I mean? But I have just recently, like I I went and did a room with Chris like this past Wednesday. Yep. Didn't go super great for me. You know what I mean? Because I was in an audience with like mostly older folks. You mm-hmm. know what I mean? That mm-hmm. don't relate to bluer material. That and I I literally got off stage that night and I was like I need to I need to write some more universally appropriate material right. that doesn't matter the crowd I do it in. It's gonna it's gonna work. And then having you come in, it's almost like yeah. validation for that thought yeah. right there. You but it doesn't I mean? mean you have to give up the other right, stuff. Right, that's right, what no. so many comics don't realize. No. You can have both if you work right. it out that way. You know. Yeah. But uh, you also have to learn your crowd. Right. I'll give you. I know we need to wrap it up, but I just a couple quick examples. I had a show not too long ago where uh, the feature went out, and it wasn't a private show, but it was a, a, a crowd of mostly sixty-five and up. Mm-hmm. And he went out there, and he's doing these jokes, and we were told to keep it, you know, PG thirteen-ish, you mm-hmm. know. Um, he went out and started doing all these jokes about eating ass. <laughs> all right. I got one of those. And, uh, well, Every comic has one of those. Yeah. <laughs> I guess I got to get one. <laughs> but here's the the audience hated it. And then yeah. because of that, and he, that was like one of his first you know bits within the first five minutes. And then they Straight wanted nothing the to do with him. Yeah. And he was like, <laughs> stupid audience. That. So I, I'm not the type of guy that will critique somebody afterwards. But I was like, dude, you know, maybe you shouldn't, for an audience like that, eat an ass. He's like, what's the big deal? It's not, you know, because he's like, I didn't, you know, get real graphic about it. I'm like, that was an older crowd. I said, I'm Gen X. My generation and older, that wasn't really a thing we talked about. Maybe people did it, but it wasn't, you know, we didn't have internet where there was memes and all this stuff where we talked about things like eating ass, yeah. all right? Yeah. So to a crowd that's that old, I mean, that was super offensive <laughs> to them, all right? <laughs> uh, and he just didn't get it. Yeah. And it's like another time I had a guy open up, and we're at a, it was a club, but again, all older folks there. And we're looking out, and he's, uh, he was the host. And he goes, I'm gonna, I'm gonna go do my new Trump joke, and this is uh, when Trump was president, uh-huh. okay, a few years back, and and I, I'm like, what kind of Trump joke? Yeah, it was uh, negative against Trump. Oh, okay. All right, nope. I, I couldn't care less. But this was Florida with a group of seniors. Yeah, I'm like, dude, I'm telling you, don't do it. He's like, no, my my buddies on Facebook loved it. Oh, I'm like, don't do it. He went up there. It was his first joke. He got booed. <laughs> Booed, literally booed, uh, and then they wanted nothing to do. He came back almost in tears. Like I don't get it. What, what's going on? I'm like, did you not see all the gray hair out there? He's like, it's just a joke. I'm like, politics is not a joke these days. Yeah, like and, a, and see, like I, I have one joke where I kind of tease about politics when I'm in like Florida because mm-hmm. uh, I can get away with it, but I, it doesn't push one way or the other. It's just yeah. kind of a tease about now we're not doing any politics at this point. But you said but, I, I watched that, and, and maybe it's the same joke. But you kind of set it up with like I, I'm not a political person, you mm-hmm. know. Yeah. And so then you kind of like letting the release off. I yeah, feel like you know. And uh, but he went out there and did something that bashed Trump, and of course here in Florida, it was actually. Uh, Club 52. Oh, right yeah, here. yeah, That yeah. was around here. Yeah, it's right over Wickham. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Uh, when they used to have comedy there. And that's what he went out to, this older crowd, and did an anti-Trump joke. I'm like, ooh, that's oh. going to be a rough one. Yeah, that was a, uh, <laughs> was it, uh, Larry Silver's yeah. um, 
Groucho's. Groucho's. Yep, Groucho's. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, a little yeah. fun room. Yeah. But even, like, talking about, like, how the the open mics aren't necessarily, like, a good judge of those kind of jokes. Uh-huh. Like, I have a, a whole chunk of jokes that I do about, like, homeownership. Mm-hmm. And... That would never work in that club. Bombs. <laughs> right. Horrendously at open mics. Right. Because these are all broke 20-something-year-olds yeah. that are yeah. so like, far from owning a house. <laughs> they're, like, even, they're like, what do you yeah. mean own? Yeah. 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 Like, like, what? So, honestly, great. what helped me so much was Gregory's. Mm-hmm. I got super blessed early on because when I first started hosting at Gregory's, they had the host do 20 minutes, mm-hmm. which was ridiculous. Too long for Nowhere else there, has yeah. the host do 20 minutes. Yeah. They give out three minutes now. Yeah, yeah. Which is <laughs> completely Is it really three minutes? No, no. no. It's like, but it's say, way it's less. What's the point yeah. of that? I think, <laughs> I've seen I think people I do seven. I've seen people do five and but, seven. Yeah, I remember the first so time I hit line there. I forget, I'm not going to say who it was, even yeah. though I could remember, but the host went up, and he did not have, like, 15, 20 oh. minutes of material. But he did. I'm sitting there like, why in the world is he still up there? Yeah. You know, this is bad. Because like, they, just made, they made you do that right. 20 minutes up top. But what was cool for me was, and people complain about it, it's like, oh, Gregory's a bunch of old white people. And I'm like, listen. Mm-hmm. That's where the money is. That, these are the people that have yeah. money. That's where I get my best tips. Yeah. After yeah. the show. Is oh, Gregory's. Only place in the world I've ever been where people just hand you money at the end yeah. of the show. Oh. Really? Somebody I've just walk up to you. Oh. Oh. Yeah, I've got $100 oh. bills there. Yeah. 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 That's yeah, amazing. They gave me a fifty one. Yeah, really? Oh, yeah. And the, and what about you? You, you got I never got. I, besides the pay, I didn't get money. <laughs> <laughs> you will, but yeah, you, you will. I was with you. I don't know if you remember. It was me. Though. Yeah. yeah. Oh, yeah. Okay. Yeah. I was yeah. like, yeah. Do you remember me? Before we got, got here, he said, yeah. 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 he was like, "Oh, I know her." Yeah. It was actually a guy who gave me a fifty. It's because I blew him in the. <laughs> no, <laughs> no, 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 I was in the Was it him? I did not do anything. You didn't get out. <laughs> I see Rudy's got a good throw. I'm game. telling you. I've seen that before. I'm just saying, between the two of you, he was more tender. <laughs> he works the ball. <laughs> and mine are down here. So. <laughs> That's what happens when you turn 50. I know. <laughs> I feel like we do this all day. <laughs> you guys might be twins. That's right. <laughs> That's right. But no, no it, it that, I mean, and for me then, because again, Melbourne doesn't have that big a scene. Mm-hmm. So I was doing literally like the old school pizza open mic, which is a fucking shit show, shit show open mic. And it's fun, but again, a shit show open mic. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, all the little open mics that I was doing, and then you'd go to Gregory's. And that juxtaposition, it's like yeah. it's two completely different worlds. Oh, yeah. right. mm-hmm. And I realized I was like, oh, okay, I could do a thousand years of open mics and not learn yeah. what it's gonna take to do well in a real club. Yeah. Yeah. And and just having that because Gregory's was it was it's going back to that now. Thursday, Friday, Saturday, yeah. twenty minutes, three nights in a row in front of white-haired old white yeah. people mm-hmm. yeah. and it completely changed yeah and, and to the point now my if i go to a show mm-hmm. and i look out and it's a bunch of old white people it's like i got, I got, I've got yeah. this yeah. Yeah. Yep. See, yeah. but if it's a bunch of people that look like me i'm like who knows yeah. <laughs> well i was gonna say the same thing happened with me a few years ago going to my first real urban club that you know yeah. as they're known 
That means all black. No. <laughs> Just like uh, Rudy. <laughs> oh, I'm Rudy. Uh, Rudy no. So this was Birmingham, Alabama. Huge club. Oh, the like, start so wait, wait, black, black. black clubs in Birmingham? <laughs> yeah, I thought they burned them all it's down. It's a massive club. It seats like 600 people, stadium Damn. seating. And I was yeah. booked there the uh, first time for uh, six nights. Mm-hmm. And I went up there, and I mean, it was literally like 70% black, 30% white. Um, I'm like, no big deal, you know, whatever. Well, it's because it is a big deal because this is my, I didn't know it was like an urban club, oh, right? Yeah, yeah. And I was, when I learned, there is a difference in that style of comedy. So I went up there doing my normal stuff the first night, and it did not go well. I mean, I got through it, but I'm like, geez. Yeah. Uh, and they had a guest comic come out who's a local guy, open mic guy, and he goes out there and does urban comedy, and he kills it. And he, he's just literally doing something like, today I got on the bus. And the crowd's like, whoa, he got on the bus! And I'm, I'm backstage like, what the hell? Yeah, that's not funny. But I learned, like, I can still do my comedy, but I couldn't be that monotone, boring, yep. pasty yeah. white guy. I had to be the animated entertainer. Yeah. And I, I'm not saying that's good, bad, or what. It's just different. Yeah. So to where they started reacting to me once I went out there. I'm like, how y'all doing? You know, yeah, getting yeah. putting more emphasis on the stuff. Yeah. And for whatever reason, you know, I guess it's like Baptist church. Where, you know, yeah. yep. you go to white church, it's boring. And that you go to a Southern Baptist church, it's you know yeah. all sorts of you know great stuff on that. And it, it's kind of like that in comedy as far as how I saw. It. Yeah. Once I figured that out, most shows went amazing mm-hmm. there. That's great. Yeah. Um, so yeah, you learn that you know you have to give what the crowd wants. Mm-hmm. You can't just force you on them. They don't always want you. Yeah, they want yeah. a version of you, but tailored to their taste. Yeah. So if you go into a room of old white gray haired people, don't go up there and do anti Trump jokes and ask them. <laughs> yeah, yeah, <laughs> yeah Rudy. Yeah. <laughs> I gotta get my fiber. <laughs> oh God. So. <laughs> So real quick, um, does anybody have any plugs? I uh, just uh, Brian Milligan comedy on social media. <laughs> <laughs> it's hacking. It's shit. Know, it's sorry. destroying the earth. Sorry, my bad. Yeah, I'm at a king king dot Malumba on Instagram. Yeah. Uh, okay. Ashcash got jokes on everything: Instagram, Facebook, Twitter. And real plugs for you. <laughs> I will be behind the dumpster after tonight's show. <laughs> I know where I'll be there. <laughs> no, like I said, I'm bad about plugging myself and doing it. Well, I mean, in that way. Uh, <laughs> I've got my... Never mind. Uh, but no, I, if somebody wants to see me, they'll find out where I'm at and come see me. I don't care. Yeah. <laughs> That's a right I'm shot. worth it. <laughs> now I feel like a dick because I'm like, all right. So are you going to read a paragraph? Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> so Wednesday the 8th, I'll be at uh, Art's Garage down in, uh, I think it's like the Fort Lauderdale area. It's literally a guy named Art in his garage. Yeah. <laughs> um, it's a beautiful venue, actually. Oh, yeah. It's really cool down there. I did a... Uh, I uh, host, well, I didn't host, but I did a guest spot in front of uh, J.J. Walker. Oh yeah, there. yeah. One Dynamite. time, was really, yeah, it, it was that. <laughs> that, um, that had to be a clean guest set. I'm assuming then. Yeah, but like PG-13 yeah. sort oh, okay. of thing. Yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah. Nice. Um, uh, what is it? The 10th, I'm hosting Jimmy's uh, Kava Bar Room. Uh, 11th, I'm doing an Alex Soto show, and I gotta reach out to him because I don't know if that's still happening. Apparently, he's getting a, his own room in the villages. I guess. Yeah, he's he's yeah. actually building a club. Which oh, yeah. Is oh, really cool. yeah. yeah, he's contacting me about doing it sometime. Yeah. I'm like, well, I'll come down for it now that I'm moving. But. And I notice every time a comic builds a club, 
it's perfect. Yeah, yeah. They, well, they you know, know what they're doing. Yeah. yeah, like Mike Lee's Laugh Out Loud, oh, the yeah, Madcaps yeah, rooms, yeah. and his yeah. Alex is very similar. Like yeah. Black walls. It's gonna you know the, bring the room in. <laughs> the new Madcaps is literally five minutes away from where I'm moving from. See ya. That room's amazing. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> All right, so thank you guys so much. Thank you, Paul, again for being here Thanks with for us. Me. Yeah, this has been awesome. Learned a lot. This has been the Funny Style Podcast. Thank you for listening. <laughs>